worship team. Well, we're back in Philippians. Suffer, strive, rejoice, and shine. Looking forward to this morning. We have um, a really just an amazing <coughs> passage before us this morning. We're looking forward to sharing um, kind of what God has been leading me to share with you guys this morning. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and pray with us in the word. Lord, we invite you now to speak through your word. You tell us that your word is like a sword that is able to cut um, through bone separating bone and marrow, that it penetrates our soul. And Lord, we come into church sometimes, not with the armor of the Lord, but with the armor of just wanting to be comfortable, not wanting to be convicted, not wanting to have to change from who we are. And, and sometimes we need your word to just be a sword, to cut through that to our hearts, so that we will change and live different lives than we were when we came in here this morning. So I pray that you would do that work in us today as we read your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to ask just this question today. What are you living for? That's the big question for today. And one of the ways that I want to kind of get at the answer, how we might answer that question, is by asking you this. If you could fast forward to any day in your future, what day would it be? Okay, think about it for a second. If you could fast forward to any day in your future, what day would it be? Can you go backwards, Bill? That's a good question. We're going to keep it for the sake of the illustration going forward. Okay? So if there's one day you could fast forward to, what would it be? Anybody have an answer? Yeah. Next Wednesday. Why next Wednesday? I have no idea. Just next Wednesday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Kayla? Getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's sure to happen, we just want to get to that day, right? Anybody else? Yeah. Graduation from college. Okay, good. Fast forward to one day. What would it be? Yeah, Drew. Forward, forward, right? What day are you saying? You won't be alive. Drew wants to. You said Judgment Day? <laughs> All right. Wow. Drew says Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, same. Um, next year first day of school. Next year's first day of school, because you are going to be in? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. And that's way better than sixth grade, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so first day of seventh grade. Right? Senior years. Senior years. When you turn 18, what happens at 18? Just 100% freedom. You can walk out that door and pay your own bills, do your own laundry for the rest of your life. Driver's license day, right? Or even just permit day. <laughs> Okay. Man, you guys are doing great. Anything else? Any adults have a day to fast forward to? Sarah's wedding day. Sarah's wedding day. Pizza day in the cafeteria. Cafeteria pizza day. Not sure. 
Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I, I kind of brainstormed some of my own, but you guys hit most of them. So some of us, you know, we're admittedly kind of short-sighted, right? So some of us are like, the weekend, like next weekend, we just need to make it to next weekend. You know, it's already 10, almost 10 o'clock on Sunday. Some of you, like Sunday, like the weekend is already downhill, right? It's already almost gone. You just feel it slipping through your fingers. It needs to take a bit off. Some of you might be thinking like the next break from school, okay? You know, Thanksgiving break or fall break's coming up. Maybe you've got a family vacation plan to Disney World. I thought that Adam might be back, and I'm going to make fun of him because his Disney World trip would be over. Maybe. Yeah. Um, driver's license day, graduation we have, getting to the next stage of life. Some of you might be like, can't wait till I get to seventh grade, can't wait till I get to high school, can't wait till I get to college, can't wait till I get to you know, start my career. Some of you might be, you know, like Sarah, her wedding day. Right? <laughs> Some of you are just like, man, I love, you know, I want to have a family, I want to have my own kids, it's going to be fun. Some of the guys might just be thinking, like, I can't wait for the next meal, right? Like, <laughs> whatever that is, that's what I want. Okay? Um, some of the younger guys might think, I can't wait till I grow facial hair. I have to tell you though, it's a gradual thing. It's not like, it's not like one day there's nothing, and the next day it's like beard man. And I, one, one other sad thing, you might want to look at any of the other men in your family, and if none of them have beards, it doesn't look good for <laughs> that's that's kind of my chance. What do you look like? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain someone in the room who won't let me grow on. <laughs> 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 you have one right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have one right now. Kind of what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> I actually grew one once right I worked on growing one, right? So I like I didn't shave for two weeks. My brother and sister-in-law were visiting us in Israel, and so I was like, I'm not gonna shave, so I shaved, didn't shave for two weeks. And um, the thing was I couldn't really sleep because it was so scratchy. Like, I couldn't get comfortable. And so I shaved the next morning, and I'm like, you know, we're gonna wake up and be like, Next morning, nobody says anything. <laughs> and it's like, anybody knows anything different about me? <laughs> <laughs> you all, okay, I must just grow a terrible beard because if nobody notices when I shave it off, it just wasn't doing it. <laughs> but maybe, you know, now that I'm a youth pastor, I gotta make some bet that involves me not shaving for a year or something. <laughs> yes! like to fast forward to in the future. So let me ask you this question. Think about that day, you know, the day you want to fast forward to. What if you died before you got to that day? How does that make you feel? Okay, think about that. Does that make you feel like, man, that would be such a disappointment, right? Like, I just am excited for that day to happen, and I could die happily after that day, but if I died before, it would be a big disappointment. For a lot of us, we think about death as something that keeps us from reaching our goals, right? 
when you die, you know, you just didn't attain what you wanted to attain. And how does this make us feel about death? Well, it makes us feel like death is, you know, something that we're trying to avoid, right? We don't want to die because we want to make it to our goals. And, and death is something that we should fear because death is defeat, right? It's like game over, you lost. You didn't get to where you wanted to go. Have you guys ever been to a funeral before? Anybody been to a funeral for someone who's younger? Maybe died before their time. Okay, maybe a couple, yeah. Right? And what do we usually say at those funerals? You know, you say something different, you know, when your 95-year-old grandmother dies. You're not like, oh, if only she had a little bit longer. You know, she, she had a long time. You know, it was time, time to go. <laughs> 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 I mean, how many of you, you know, your grandmother's 96 years old, and you're like, only she had a few more years. No. <laughs> Almost a century. That's a good, good, good time to go. But if you're at someone's, you know, younger's funeral, what we usually say at those is we say, you know, they, they had so much potential, right? Oh, they were so good at this. They were so good at that. They were going to change the world. They were going to do this or that. And now, the implication is, they can't do it, right? Their dreams are unfulfilled. It's such a loss. It's such a waste of a life. But what if there were something that you could live for now that would be made even better by your death? What if there was something you could live for now that would be made even better by your death? What if there was something that could bring you joy and happiness now and would be made a million times better the day you die? How would you view death then? Would it change the way you view death? Yeah. Right? Death is not something to fear. It's not something to avoid. Okay, and this is what we see in our passage in Philippians today. There's something out there that is worth living for that only gets better with death. Now, before we do that, let's recap where we've been in Philippians, okay? So how does Paul start his letter? Well, we started with Paul saying this. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul starts his letter by being thankful for the Philippians, right? He's saying, man, I'm so thankful for you guys. And why is he thankful? Because they're partnering with him in the gospel. They're working alongside him in the gospel, even when he's in jail. Okay? And then we get to the next section, and Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And so the question we need to ask is, What's happened to Paul? Alright, so what has happened to Paul? We know this, just, what's happened to Paul? As he's writing this letter. He's in prison. Why is he in prison? Because he believes in God. He's sharing the gospel, right? He's been arrested. He's arrested in Jerusalem, shipwrecked. And if we go even further back, Paul's been run out of town for being uh, a believer in Jesus, for teaching Jesus. He's been stoned. He's been left to die. He's been whipped. All these things. And so Jesus said, or then Paul says, sorry, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Well, how does it advance the gospel? We talked about this in our small groups a couple weeks ago. Yeah? So, like, the more consumers to God, the more his, um, uh, the more his faith in God grows that he'll keep helping him through it. Okay. Yeah, suffering definitely builds his faith. Okay? We also learned that Paul is sharing the gospel with the Roman soldiers, right? And he says the gospel is going throughout all the Roman soldiers. He said that other brothers in the church, they're getting strength 
from Paul suffering and seeing that he's like, you know, still a follower of Jesus, even suffering, and it's giving them strength. And some people are trying to preach the gospel out of rivalry with Paul. Remember this? They're trying to hurt Paul's feeling by preaching the gospel. And Paul is saying, I don't care. It all advances the gospel. So Paul ends the last section by saying, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So Paul's rejoicing that the gospel continues to be preached, that it continues to go out to the people. Okay? And last time we learned this lesson. Our attitude does not depend on our circumstances. Because we see Paul has pretty bad circumstances, doesn't he? In prison, he's probably still got the scars on his body from all the times that he's been whipped and stoned, and yet he still says, I rejoice, because the gospel is still going out. People are still hearing about Jesus. And this part that we're going to talk about today is continuing right after this verse 18. Okay, so that's what we're picking up. And so we have to ask the question, how in the world can Paul continue to rejoice, even in the midst of all this suffering? And we're going to see that the answer is found in what Paul was living for. So what is Paul living for? We're going to see our answer in verses 18 to 26. So look at the screen or look at your Bible and read along with me. We're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. So Paul just ended. This is the last verse. Let me show it to you one more time. Last verse. Paul ends by saying, in that I rejoice. Right? So he's saying, Christ is proclaimed, and in that <coughs> I rejoice. And this very next line is, yes. And I will rejoice. So he's, he's just talking about, I'm going to keep rejoicing. Why? Why is Paul going to keep rejoicing? For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. Yet which I shall not, or I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two, between life and death, choosing life and death. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to the glory of Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Yeah. I'm going to leave this up here because we have a couple questions to answer. So let's try to understand what is Paul saying here, okay? So the first thing Paul says is Paul is going to rejoice. Why is Paul rejoicing? Right, look up here at this passage. What do we see reasons for why Paul is going to rejoice? Paul going to rejoice? 
Caleb, yes. He'll be delivered. He's gonna, yeah, because he says he's gonna be delivered, right? Thank you. We needed some help. Okay, what does Paul need to be delivered from? Caleb. Jail. Jail. Okay, these aren't hard questions. Okay, so he's in jail, and he says, "I know that I'm going to be delivered." So he's going to rejoice, right? So he's happy. How is Paul going to be delivered? What's he say? How is he going to be delivered? How is this going to happen? A SWAT team going to come, <laughs> undercover, tunnel in through the bottom, pull them out. What's going to happen? Okay, so first thing we see, yeah, is Paul believes in the power of prayer, right? I know you're praying for me, and I know that God's spirit is real, and he's going to turn out for my deliverance. And God is going to work through your prayers to deliver me. But keep on reading, guys, look at this. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now and as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by what? By what? Everybody. Life or death. Life or by death. Okay, so Paul says, I'm about to be delivered. Yeah. By life or by death. What? Like, that's kind of weird, right? Paul, you're going to be delivered by life or by death. Like, how are you delivered if you're dead? You know, that if we pull your dead body out of the jail cell, did you really get delivered? Did we really get to you in time? So that's what we want to think about for a few Paul says he's going to be delivered by life or death. Well, what would life would look like for Paul in jail? So Paul's in jail. Here's Paul in jail. Chained to the Roman soldier next to him, right? Writing letters to people, you know, so happy that you're partnering with me in the gospel. Are you reading over my shoulder? <laughs> you know, you want to know about the gospel? Because I should write it. Here, you go share the gospel with the Roman soldier. Eating stale bread, probably, you know. Did you ever wonder, did Paul get unchained to use the bathroom? It looks like if you look that way, I'm looking this way, I don't know, but Roman soldiers didn't maybe have the best job. Gross. Um, praying, you know, and yet Paul's joyful in all of this, and he's thinking, maybe someday they'll take the chains off me, and I'll get to go free and go visit my friends. That's kind of life for Paul, right? What does death for Paul look like? Yeah, like this. <laughs> That's kind of what death looks like. Just, you know, some dirt on top, a couple of worms eating through your body. That's, that's what death looks like. So Paul says, I'm going to be delivered by life or by death. So you're like, life, yeah, Paul, get out. Death. Like, what's the sound that your Xbox makes when you die? It's game's over. No more. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, no, death isn't game over. He said, by life or by death, I win. I'm delivered by life or by death. How can this be? Well, it has to do with what Paul is living for. Okay, so what is Paul living for? And the answer we see is in verse 21. Verse 21 says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So let's take the first half. To live is Christ. Paul is saying... To live is service to Jesus. Okay, so if I keep on living, I get to keep serving Jesus. I get to, if you look at the next part here, he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means if I'm going to keep on living, breathing, that means fruitful labor for me. I get to keep telling people about Jesus. I get to keep seeing people come to Jesus. I get to keep worshiping Jesus. I get to keep praying to Jesus. 
I get to keep growing in my relationship with Jesus. That's what life looks like. And Paul says, convinced of this, if I keep living, if I remain and continue with you all, it's going to be to see the Philippians, their progress and their joy in the faith. So for Paul, life is getting to see the Philippians keep getting closer to Jesus, keep having joy in Jesus. That's what life is going to be for Paul. All right? And some might say, well, Paul, you know, that's, that's really admirable that you're living for Jesus in that way. It's a really selfless mission. It's admirable that you've even kept up that mission while you're in jail. But Paul, what happens if you die? And you have to think, this is probably what the Philippians were asking themselves. Like, come on, Paul, you're in jail. What are we going to do when you die? What's going to happen to the mission then? But Paul has an answer for him. Paul says, to die is gain. So for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How can death be gain? Well, first of all, what does gain mean? When you gain something, you get more of it, right? Okay, so Paul's saying, if I were to die, I'd get more. Get more what? Well, life is Christ, and death is more, more of Christ. So Paul is saying, death is gain, because when I die, I get to be with Jesus. If you look at verse 23, Paul says, I am hard-pressed between the two. So here's Paul. He's sitting in his jail cell saying, I could live, or I could die. And I really don't know which one to choose. It's a really hard decision. And he goes on to say, my desire, if I were to do what I really wanted, my desire is to depart. My desire is death. What I really want is just to die and be with Christ and be with Jesus. For that is far better. It's way better if I could just be with Jesus. Think of it as if you had a friend that had moved away. You had a best friend. You guys loved each other. You grew up. You did everything together. And they moved to the other side of the world. And you write letters to each other. And you call each other every weekend because of you know, the different time zones. You have to you know, call in the morning and it's the night for your friend. And yet you're faithful to do it and you keep doing it. And then you find out that your friend is going to move back into your neighborhood. They're going to move next door. Do you say, oh man, we won't get to write letters anymore. <laughs> I really look forward to when we got to talk on the phone on the weekend. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? It's way better now that they're with you. And you get to be together all the time. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, life is Christ. It's great. I get to serve Christ. I get to do everything. I also am in prison and being persecuted and chained to a Roman soldier for Christ. And I'm not complaining because I have joy in that. But a day is coming. All of that's left behind. And I get more Jesus. I get to be with Jesus. Now this isn't how we usually talk about death, is it? When we talk about death, we say that death is loss. Lose potential, right? Think of what that person could have been. They were great at this, right? If you're cycle, they would have been the best clown ever. No, they can't be because they're dead. You talk about lost joy, like they're never going to get to graduate. They're never going to get to enjoy the high school graduation that they were about to experience. They're never going to see their wedding day. They were looking forward to that day. And we talk about death as loss. And that's what death will be so long as you live for anything other than knowing and serving Jesus as your greatest desire. Okay, so realize this. That if you live 
for anything other than Jesus, your debt will be lost. You will lose what you wanted in your lifetime. But if you live for Jesus, death won't be lost. Death will be gained. You will get more, far more, than you ever could have asked or imagined of that very thing that you were living for. So think, if you are living your life for Jesus and you're an athlete and you tear your ACL, some of my people might say, they're lost. They're out for the season. They're out for the year. They're out for their life. But if you're living for Jesus, it's not lost. Right? Because that's not what your life was being lived for. You're not living to become a professional athlete. You're living to make Jesus known, to love Jesus, and to live with Jesus. If you are really looking forward to driver's license day, you get there, and you kind of freak out during the test, and you don't pass, and you don't get your license. If you're living for Jesus, he's not lost. Okay? Because Paul didn't have a driver's license. Jesus didn't have his driver's license. It's okay. You can keep going on. You can keep living for Jesus without your driver's license. Or what if you have this retreat that you're really looking forward to, a school trip or a family vacation, and you get sick? And you miss it. You don't get to go. It doesn't have to be lost. You can say, you know what, God, I trust that you have a plan for this time right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have someone that you want me to meet with. Maybe you have some reason you want me to stay home from this. And I can trust that this doesn't have to be lost because you're living for Jesus, not for the retreat, not for yourself. And what if you get diagnosed with cancer? It happens, right? You get diagnosed with cancer, you can still live for Jesus in your hospital bed. And you can rejoice in the knowledge that Jesus will either do a miracle and heal you, or he'll bring you home either way, it's not a loss. And one is actually more Jesus than the other. When you die living for Jesus, your dreams are not crushed. Your goals are not ended. The opposite happens. Your dreams are fulfilled. Your goals are met because you finally get to be with the one that you've been living for all along. You see him face to face. The struggle and the pain is over. Now, God forbid that I would ever have to preach one of your funerals. There's statistics out there, right? One in ten people die of car accident, cancer, this age, that age. So, God forbid, I really have no desire to ever preach one of your funerals. But if I did, what a joy and an honor it would be to say, this person's greatest dream and greatest desire in life has been fulfilled in their death. I know that what they were living for in their life has now been fulfilled because they were living for Jesus and now they are with him. What a joy it would be to preach that sermon, wouldn't it? I mean, it's definitely sad at the same time. But it's much better than saying, if only they could have been better at writing their news cycle. So much more joy in preaching that this person is now fulfilled with Jesus. So the question we have today is this: What are you living for? And if tomorrow you tore your ACL, if tomorrow you went blind, if tomorrow you were put in prison for your faith, or if tomorrow you died, would your dreams be dashed? 
Would your goals have failed? Would your hopes be lost? Is it worth living for something that can be taken away from you in an instant? Is it really worth living that life? No. The only life that's worth living is one that is lived for Jesus. Because it's the only life that can say death is you. So as we close today, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about that thing that maybe you're living for right now. And I want you to take just a minute to confess to Jesus that you have been living for something that if you were to die today, it would be lost. And ask Him to be the one that you live for. So take a minute in silence to confess that and pray for Jesus to be the one that you live for.